Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Third installment, final one. Get your Bible out. Turn to Acts 19. Acts 19. Acts 19. I don't want to go back. I do want to go back. But for time's sake, I don't want to go back and review. So make sure you check out the last two weeks. This is going to kind of cap it. So many other things that we could do and say, certainly about the Holy Spirit. We could take the whole year, really, and teach and preach on it. Um, But I want to say this, that really, uh, when we started in-person gatherings two weeks ago, uh, we launched here. I felt that the timing was exactly what God wanted and the person and power of the Holy Spirit. Because the reality is, especially in the world today, with what we're seeing happening, we need to walk in a power greater than our own natural ability. And God always intended for that to happen. We need a powerful Christianity, not a power less. We see too many Christians, we've been there ourselves, and God forbid we go there again, but that live a powerless Christianity, and that's never what God intended. And so he sent the Holy Spirit to empower his people, and we talked the last two weeks really about that. In fact, last week we talked about some of the characteristics of the Holy Spirit, and that was he's the comforter, um, he is the teacher, he'll teach you, he'll comfort you, he will um, convict you, he will guide you, and he will use you. And so there's a lot of aspects to the Holy Spirit that we need to understand because there's so many things that were presented in a way through experiences and through false teaching that aren't packaged, he's not packaged the right way and it's a turnoff for us. And so I think it's important, especially in this time, coming off of the day of Pentecost to make sure we understand exactly what the Bible says about the person and power of the Holy Spirit because the importance of embracing him, because of the importance of embracing him in a relationship. Today I want to look at his nature. I think if you can understand his nature a little bit, it might, he might not seem so scary or so misunderstood or something that you don't want or feel like you don't need, but I feel like you'll be more willing to embrace. And so in Acts 19, we see Apollos and Paul, and uh, they were traveling together. Now they're splitting ways. And Apollos is going to Corinth. Paul is going to Ephesus. And he comes across some believers and he asks them a question. Let's take a look at Acts 19, 1 through 2. Now this happens the day of Pentecost was probably uh, anywhere from 10 to 20 years ago. So this is one to two decades into the future. The church has already been established by the outpouring of the spirit and power of God. And so here we see this. So let me read verses one and two. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. And there he found some disciples, some Christ followers. And he asked them, hey, Christ followers, that has received Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, who has received uh, the, the, the message of repentance, have you received the Spirit when you believed? And they answered, no, we've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. We've not heard that there's another work. This is about 10 to 20 years after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, which still today, I think people are asking the same question, or at the same place. I've not really heard that. People are afraid to teach about the Holy Spirit. People are afraid to embrace the Holy Spirit, really because of the packaging. And so maybe you're in here today and you've heard it as a negative and it's crazy and spooky and weird and stay away from those Holy Ghost people, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's really one aspect of it they have a problem with. But I I today want to address the idea of, you know, the nature of the Holy Spirit because it's not something to avoid or, you know, put your arms out to. It's something to put your arms around. And so in this passage of scripture, I think we're still asking, some of us are asking, I've not even heard, or maybe I haven't heard the right way. So I'm asking you to kind of wipe the slate clean today and open your heart up to the word. You need to know who he is because he is so significant and important to your life. And can I tell you, God sent the empowerment of the Holy Spirit for days like today, for the world like today. 
Because there's no natural answer to what's going on. There is no, there's no natural fix. It's only a supernatural fix that really that's going to turn things around. And so God sent the Holy Spirit, especially for times like this. And the church needs to rise up in the person and power of the Holy Spirit and to operate beyond our natural ability into a supernatural ability to change the environments that we live in. And that's also why the devil works so hard making him look bad so nobody will want him because if he can't keep you saved, he wants to keep you weak. You want to see that? And I'll say it this way because I'm a pastor and I like words to either begin with the same letter or end with the same ending. And so if he can't keep you from your salvation, he wants to keep you from your saturation. See how I did that right there? That's kind of how I do, right? That's kind of how I do. And so, and so, you know, it starts with an S. Did you get that? And I went, okay, anyways, am I in an empty room again? I'm not really sure. Okay, anyway, so here we go. That's well, just a bad joke. Um, so, the, so if he can't keep you from your sal- salvation and, 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 and you can live your life and know you're going to heaven because of Jesus and there's no works associated with, that's a free gift through grace. And, and you can uh, love God with your whole heart and live that way. But listen, we can't just live out of our salvation we have to experience the saturation of the person and power of the Holy Spirit to live beyond our natural ability. Yes, you can go to heaven because you love God, but listen, you're here still on the earth and you need his empowerment, especially for days like today. God needs a powerful church, a powerful following of believers. And that's what changes things. And so the devil fights really hard to misrepresent, misinform, look crazy, goofy. And there's Christians and people in my profession that willingly join along and make it that way. But that's just not how God intended. You don't have to be afraid of anything God gives you. You have to be afraid of anything God gives you. And so I want to talk about his nature for a little bit. In order to do that, we need to look at his name, uh, Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost. You'll see both names in the scripture. You'll see capital S, meaning the Spirit of God. Uh, His name is actually translated both ways, Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost. And the reason why there's two names is because of translators um, looking at original languages and trying to find the appropriate English word. Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost is used in two languages because the Bible was written primarily in two languages. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew. So you'll see the word translated through the Hebrew original language. The New Testament was written primarily in Greek. So you'll see it translated in the Greek language. So if we go to the original language and look at the definition, it gives us a clear picture. And to be honest with you, it doesn't always necessarily line up with spirit or ghost. But the English translators tried to take these ideas and that's what the best word they came up with. It would be like, I don't know for some of you that speak uh, Spanish and English, when you have to translate, someone said, hey, can you translate to Spanish for me? And they're telling you something. It's not a literal translation. You have to figure out a way to present it because it's not, you don't always find the right word. And I know that when I go down to, when we go to India and when we go to, uh, um, we were at Mexico uh, and we're speaking that, you know, it's sometimes I have to stop and present something another way because there's not that correct translation. They're trying to find the words. And I know that from just my brother, Pastor Jeff, he's still in town. In fact, he recorded his message because they're not allowed to have in-person gatherings yet. So he sent, he recorded here his message to send out uh, over the airwaves and internet to everybody. And he has somebody uh, work on his, uh, work on translating his message because again, sometimes someone that is from the original language has to come and bring the right term, right? That just makes sense. And so you can understand when the Bible's translated, sometimes it was hard for the the English translators to take these languages and bring them into a word that fits today. And this is one of those words that they, I think they found a little bit of trouble with. So when we look at the Old Testament Hebrew language and you look at the word for spirit or ghost, it's actually the word ruach 
and they'll put it on the screen for you. Ruach, R-U-W-A-C-H. And it's a real harsh ending Hebrew. Ruach, almost like, you know, when you go and you chips and sauce, that chip gets stuck right there in the back of your throat. You're trying to clear it. Ruach, something right there. You got it. It's a harsh kind of ending because of the language, but that absolutely means nothing. But okay, so a wind, it's really definite definitions. A wind, a breath, a violent exhalation, a blast of breath. Nothing there says spirit or ghost. And this word is used in the second verse in the scripture, in the creation story, Genesis 1-2, look what it says. Now the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the ruach of God, the breath of God, was hovering over the waters. The breath of God was hovering over the waters. The spirit of God, the wind of God. And here's, a, here, here's what you need to understand. The wind of God, the breath of God, hovering over the waters in the creation story, had the power to create. There's a whole different meaning now. Had the power to create. So in the New Testament, written in Greek, primarily, the word ghost or spirit is the word pneuma, P-N-E-U-M-A, P-N-E-U-M-A, pneuma, and it means a current of air, a blast of breath, or a strong breeze. You don't see spirit or ghost there. Again, that's the best thing that they could find. Um, A current of air, blast of breath, strong breeze. And so you can see why the translator had a hard time. They weren't going to, you know, it was hard, like, okay, so how do we call this? Because we know if we know... Our Bible, the Trinity, right? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. It, it didn't make sense to them to say God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the blast of breath. <laughs> it just didn't kind of flow really well, so they had to come up with something, and so Holy Spirit came to try and make that all fit together. Jesus used this in the New Testament, uh, what we're going to look at, talking in John 6, 63. Here's what he says. The pneuma... That's the word in the Greek. The pneuma, the breath of God gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words, listen to this. Jesus saying, the words I have spoken to you, they are full. Listen, the words are full of the spirit, the pneuma and life. So understand, everything Jesus has said and everything in your Bible has power attached to it. They have the breath of God. Remember back in the Genesis story? They have the ability to create. Or in other words, the word of God inspired by the Holy Spirit, God breathed, has the power to fulfill what they're saying. Man, do we need to be saturated in the power of God and speak the word of God confidently because then when we speak out, the breath of God goes forth out of our mouth to fulfill what the word of God says in our life. Come on, somebody. That's more than our salvation experience. That's our saturation experience or relationship with the Holy Spirit that we walk in. So it's important for us to understand his nature. The words contain power to fulfill them. I love that. And that's what we need. Listen, so we don't need a stale Christianity. You know the turnoff to Christianity is Christians. (laughs) Because I don't want any part of that stale, boring. Those are mean people. Maybe they're just simply living out of their salvation and they haven't had the saturation of the Holy Spirit. Because the Bible says, because that's where the power is. And so we need to make sure that our Christianity is not stale, but it is alive. It's not dead, but it is alive. It has breath and life and the wind of God. And so it's important for us to understand this. And I want you to understand him so you want to have and grow a relationship with him. That is the Holy Spirit. And so we look at the Holy Spirit through the lens of the original languages and maybe we understand him better. Again, he's described as a wind in both of those languages. So when you look at how he's defined in the original languages as a wind, if you will, we can look at the characteristics of of wind today and draw a parallel. 
Because when you look in scripture, you'll find the natural and a parallel in the supernatural, spiritually, natural and spiritual realm. You can draw parallels between the two. And so let's take a look at the characteristics of wind in the natural and thereby find characteristics of the Holy Spirit and understand that we all need him and he's not someone to be afraid of or resist. Number one, wind is unseen. Wind is unseen. You can see the wind blowing through trees or, or you can see the result of it. You can't see it. You can see the result of it. But wind is unseen. And that's where part of our problem lies with the Holy Spirit. He's unseen and we have a problem believing in something we cannot see. But that's why we need faith, right? We serve a God we cannot see. We serve a Jesus that we cannot see. We also serve and have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. But have you ever been somewhere, let me use this example. Have you ever been somewhere and then like it's been hot and then you've walked outside this morning when I left my house? It was nice this morning. Like I left my house like at 6.50 and it was nice when I got out. I walked out my front door and I just, I, I literally said out of my mouth, said, man, that feels good. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been that place that you, you walked out of something that felt good or or maybe this, maybe you, I mean, you got in your hot car and it's like South Texas, hot summer, 107 outside. You don't have those, those uh, sun reflector shades on there and, and all your windows are rolled up tight, right? And you open the door and this wave of heat hits you. And the first thing you do is roll your windows down and you crank that car up and you point every vent on your face, right? And you just crank the AC down as all it can. And when that starts blowing, you're just like, oh man, that feels good. I just kind of picture that as the Holy Spirit. And our church experiences are, are your home experience and stuff. I, I can picture it this way. We come in here and we connect with a real God and we connect with a real presence and, and we walk out of this place and, and we walk out, we're all walking out in the gathering place and you might hear someone say, man, that just felt good. And uh, did you feel that? And somebody else, and somebody else might have heard, feel what? What felt good? What are they talking about? And we could have been in the same environment and we could be talking about this unseen presence of God and some are connecting and some aren't and some are living out of a salvation experience only and some are living in saturation and say, refine me, less of me, more of you, God. And it's this feeling of the presence of God and that's what we believe. We believe that here. We want you to feel God's presence. Whether you're here or at home, you can feel God's presence. And it's not about, it's not about listen, we had an amazing time, praise. It's not about the songs and our amazing, talented band, gifted band. It's not about the music. And it's not about the friendly people that are coming and, and all the amazing things that our children's ministry are doing, even in the midst of difficult circumstances. It's not about the absolutely incredible, powerful messages that are being preached from the stage right here. <laughs> Guys, hit the applause track. I need the applause track on this. So I was like, come on. All right, anyways self-complimenting. That's weird. And then uh, we, we, uh, it's not about that. It's about when you leave this place that you feel different than you came in. And it's not a message. It's not friendly people necessarily. It's not even uh, awesome praise and worship. It's the presence of God. It's the presence of God that changes you, that you leave this place. And, and our prayers, and I pray this every week, and you can ask my team, I pray this all the time. It's like, Lord, when people leave this place, may they not look back and say, what a great message, what a great church, what a, what a great time of worship it was, what great people. May they look back and say, what a great God, that you know you've been with God. And that's what the difference is. And that's why, and, that, and when you feel that, that's what'll keep you coming back or getting back online and being engaged. Because you can feel the presence of God where you are because he's with you. But you got, can't just live in the salvation experience. You've got to come over and engage in a saturation experience. The nature of the Holy Spirit is not something to be afraid of. Like when he is, he is unseen, but we want you to feel God's presence. You can feel God's presence. John 14, 16, Jesus had a conversation with his disciples. It's the last supper. It's before he's taken to be crucified. And Jesus is saying, hey, I'm going to the cross. I'm going to give my life up. 
They weren't understanding everything. I'm going to go to the tomb for three days. I'm, I'm going to be resurrected again. I'm going to walk the planet for a little bit. Then I'm going to go to heaven and sit at the right hand of the Father. And I'm going to pray for you constantly, interceding for you at the right hand of God. But I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to send you a Holy Spirit to be with you on earth. Since I can't be here anymore, the Holy Spirit's going to be here with you to help you, as we learned last week, to comfort you, to teach you, to use you, to convict you, to guide you. And the world's not going to understand it. They're going to make fun of you because of it. Because most people aren't comfortable with what they can't see. There's an unseen nature of God. Look at John 14, 6 through 17. He says this, Jesus says, and I will ask the Father, and he'll give you another advocate, comforter, counselor, translated different ways, to help you and be with you forever. He's the spirit of truth. Listen to this. The world cannot accept him, so they'll make fun of you because of it. Because it neither sees him, because we're not comfortable with what we do not see, what we do not understand, what we do not see, nor knows him. And some people choose not to know him because they can't see him. And it goes on to say, but you know him, for he lives in you and he will be with you. Let me say this today, many of you know him. Many of you watching online know him. You can't see him and people make fun of you for it and they're not going to understand it because too many people won't receive something that cannot see. And lots of people miss him and don't know him because they cannot see him. So they go to church and reject him because they cannot see him and they try and figure it out all on their own. Well, you can't figure it out all on your own. That's why he came. Now you can't see him either, but you know he's here. I believe that. And that's why Sundays are so important to connect and at home and here in those experiences where you can get an environment that created and you help create part of that so you can feel the presence of God. It's the difference maker. Number two, second thing, wind is unpredictable. Wind is unpredictable. It'll change on you. It's moving. And the problem is a lot of us don't like that part of God. We like a predictable God. Guess what? He ain't. <laughs> the only thing predictable about God is his unpredictability. It's like, you know what you see when you go to the airport or you go somewhere to have one of those wind socks that tells the direction of the wind? They got to know that because it changes. We got to know that because when the direction of the wind changes, we got to change with it. That means we got to go along. Oh, he's going over here now. Okay, I'll go over there then too. That would make sense. That's smart. Listen, it's better be in the direction than outside of it, in the flow than outside of it. And let me say this about God. The reason why he doesn't do the same thing the same way all the time is because then we would be dependent upon and worship the system and not the source. Because we're notorious for trying to build a formula or we're notorious for trying to, to build something around a system. Hey, listen, because God did something one way, one time, denominations and other things, not all, but things have come up out of one person's experience and then it's been told that this is the way it is. And I don't even see that in scripture. In fact, every time people get comfortable with a situation or a system, God changes it. He likes it. He likes to do that. And so I think about Moses and one of the most obvious examples for me is Moses when he's out in the wilderness and he sees a burning bush. It's not burning, it's burning, it's on fire, but it's not burning. And a voice speaks to him and tells him what he's to do. And could you imagine Moses from that time forward as he's leading the children out of captivity and he's taking them out uh, around the wilderness every time he needed to say something and then people would say, well, what about this Moses? And what about, hey Moses, what about this? Well, hold on a second, did you see a burning bush? Well, no, no, that's not God. Okay, children of Israel, unless... A burning bush speaks to you, it's not God. Let me just settle it right here, right now. Can I tell you, if that was the case, we wouldn't be Tree of Life Church, we'd be Burning Tree of Life Church or whatever, right? Because God speaks, God speaks that way. 
So God knew we have a propensity to lock in and worship a system over the source. And I think about a passage of scripture, uh, to me it seems obvious in the New Testament as well, when Jesus was healing people, he'd healed all kinds, he healed blind people, eyes were open. So here's a man who has a blind friend. And so he goes to his blind friend and says, hey, there's this guy named Jesus and he healed a blind man. Really, how did he heal a blind man? He laid hands on him. Do you think he'll do that for me? Yeah, let me take you to him. And so this guy takes his blind friend to Jesus and he walks up to Jesus. And of course, this is my paraphrase. He walks up to Jesus and he says, can you do the hand thing? Can you lay hands on him? He doesn't even ask him to heal him. He says, I got a blind friend. Can you lay hands on him? And Jesus, I believe, perceived that this man was looking at a system and so Jesus says, I'm not going to lock you into a system. And so he decided to change it completely up. And so can you imagine the conversation that the man had with his blind friend? Yeah, no, he just says his hand thing. He just, well, I don't know what it is. He touches him and all of a sudden his eyes open. No worries, man. It's not going to hurt. No, you don't have anything to be afraid about. And all of a sudden he's in that moment. And so Jesus now hears this guy talking about the hand laid on thing. And so Jesus decides to kneel down in the dirt and scoop up some dirt and spit in it. And so you can imagine this guy, hey, what's he doing right now? I, I mean, you can't see. What's he doing right now? And this guy's friend's like thinking, I just, just lay hands on him. What are you doing with the dirt stuff? And why are you spitting in it, right? You can think about, oh, nothing, it'll be okay. He's just getting some holy water together. <laughs> no, okay, right? Anyway, so, and he makes this, he imagines Jesus is, and just pow, puts the spit mud on the guy's eyes. You know why he did that? So from that point on, everyone, everyone wouldn't think that there's just this hand trick that people get healed. And so... The Holy Spirit is unpredictable, but it's still for your good. And so people have experiences that they make those holy, and they tend to look to a system instead of the source. John 3, 8. Listen to this. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear it sound, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it's going. So does with everyone born of the Spirit. Let me give you the next one. Okay. I was going to say something, but we've got to keep moving. Okay. Wind is powerful. Wind is powerful. We know that. Wind can generate electricity. We've seen those big wind farms, those huge windmill things, which are super cool. Uh, wind can sail a ship, bring wind into the sails to propel it forward. And wind can destroy a city. We see that in the power of hurricanes. We see that in the power of tornadoes, that the power that wind has. Wind has power. There is a powerful nature to wind. And a lot of you in this room right now, a lot of you watching online are going through things that human power cannot fix. You've been dealing with things that human power is not enough. Isn't it good to know that God has a power greater than human power? And it may not simply be found just in your salvation, but it can be found in your saturation or your relationship with the Holy Spirit. And I'm glad that I serve a God greater than my power and ability. God, help us if we just live by what we can fix ourselves. Because it's not enough. Why would we distance ourselves from the power of God just because of the way some have packaged it? Acts 1.8 says this, but you will receive, what's that word? You will receive power, saturation, baptism, immersion in. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, you'll be my witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And some of you, today are in a place where you need some, let me say it this way in context of her message, you need a blast of breath. You need fresh air. You need wind in your sails. You need a strong breeze in your life. I, 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 I don't know about you, but 
I, I feel that way. I feel that way. I, the, the times that we're in, we're dealing with pandemics and we're dealing with uh, racial prejudice and injustice and all these things. And in the middle, I'm trying to figure out what we're doing or where we're going. And there's people on every side of this argument or there's people on every side of what's happening and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, I need my sails filled, God. I need fresh air. I want to come this morning and breathe deeply. I want to breathe in. I want to come and breathe here in this place or in my house with the presence and power of God. I need wind in my sails. I don't know about you. It's a different kind of fatigue for me. It's not, it's not a physical fatigue. I don't know if it's an emotional, it's a spiritual. I'm experiencing things and trying to navigate and help people through all of it. And I need a blast of your breath. I need your fresh wind in my sails, God. That's what God has for you. And that leads me to the last one. Wind is refreshing. The Holy Spirit wants to refresh you. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 through 10. Take a look at this. Here's what it says. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what you see can't refresh you. What no ear has heard, what you hear can't refresh you. And what no mind has conceived, what you have the ability to understand can't refresh you. The thing God has prepared for the, it's just the things God has prepared for those who love him. Look at the next verse. These are the things God has revealed to us. What? By his spirit by his wind, by his breath of air. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. You understand that in this passage, it says that there are only some things that there's only some ways you can be refreshed and it's by God's spirit. There's only one, let me say it this way. God's spirit is the thing that refreshes you. Not what you see, not what you hear, not what you can understand or comprehend. And so what he's talking about here is you need the saturation part of the Holy Spirit for refreshing because that's sometimes the only way it's going to come. And so you're wanting and asking and, and begging and pleading or whatever that looks like desperate for. But unless you make that connect relationally with that dependency on the saturation experience of the Holy Spirit, you're missing out on the refreshing that comes only through him. So we need a relationship with the Holy Spirit and we can't let other people's experiences keep us away from him. What is it that's keeping you away from God? Because it's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Why are we operating on two-thirds of God? Well, I'm not. I love God with all my heart, all my soul, my mind, all my strength. Okay, where's your relationship with the Holy Spirit? Because I'm not a big math guy, but I do remember some simple fractions. So three over three is one, which is greater than two-thirds. And so we're missing out on the fullness of what God has for us if we're excluding a piece or a third of who God is. And not just knowing him, but engaging him. Don't push him away. Take a deep breath. Ephesians 4.30 says this. Don't grieve God. Don't break his heart. His Holy Spirit moving and breathing in you, it's the most intimate part of your life. You know what God wants, according to the paraphrase in uh, Ephesians? He wants you to have an intimate relationship with the person and power of the Holy Spirit. He wants you to be saturated, immersed in him, making you fit for himself. And listen to what he says lastly. Don't take such a gift for granted. Oh no, I got the other two. I'm good. Not according to God. He's pretty serious about it. And he tells us, don't take the gift of the Holy Spirit for granted. How do I not take the gift of the Holy Spirit for granted? Let me give you three quick things. Number one, let go of fear and misperceptions. I don't know what you've heard. I don't know experiences you've seen, people told you, but let go of fear. You have nothing to fear of what comes from God. Many of the misperceptions that we have are not even based on the Bible. 
So trust God. Don't trust me. Trust God. Trust his word. He's not unbiblical. The Holy Spirit is not unbiblical. The Holy Spirit is not outdated. He's not spooky or weird or goofy. And everything he has for you is good for you. So we need to get rid of those fears and misperceptions. There's nothing God wants to give us that is bad or anything to be afraid of. Proverbs 3, 5, message paraphrase. Trust God. Trust God. Don't even trust your preacher. Trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try and figure everything out on your own because you can't because he's so much bigger than our mind. Number two, go all in. All in. You got to go all in. It doesn't work like it's supposed to if you're halfway or two-thirds. At some point, if you really want to understand and experience what God has for you, you're going to have to go for it. And let me say it this way. In the context of church, I want to encourage you to go all in. You want to grow? You got to go all in. And let me say it this way. If the Bible talks about how the power of groups, you need to get in groups. The Bible talks about the power of serving, you need to serve. The Bible talks about the power of giving, you need to give. The Bible talks about the power of prayer, you need to be a person of prayer. It talks about the power of the word, you need to be in the word. Listen, we got to go all in to experience all of God or God in his fullness in our life. But here's what you'll discover. Your life will change for the good. The problem is you'll never know how good it could be until you go all in. You'll never know until you go all in. Jeremiah 29, 13 says this, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. That sounds conditional, absolutely. (laughs) Because he says, you'll seek me and find me when you seek me all in. You really wanna find who I really am? You wanna find me in my fullness? Go all in. That's what Jeremiah says. And I want to encourage you because we're mid-June. This is month six. We're halfway through this year already. A third of it seems like it's been lost, right? Where'd that one go, right? Where'd that go? We got a half a year left. And let me encourage you. I want to challenge you for the rest of this year, for six months, to go all in. If you're not in, go all in. You can get in online virtual groups. You can find opportunities to serve and serve where you are, serve your community. You can give, you can do all that. You can spend time on the Word. We have devotionals, all kinds of things for you. For these next six months, Go all in, and I promise you, you'll see a change in your life. You can't help but when you go all in with God. And let me give you the last thing. Develop a relationship, intimate friendship with the Holy Spirit. This is his role. Intimate friendship is the role of the Holy Spirit in your life. God the Father has a role. Jesus the Son has a different role. And the Holy Spirit has a different role. Let's take a look at 2 Corinthians 13, verse 14, New King James. In this one verse, you see all three of those roles of the Trinity. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's his role. Thank God for his grace. Amen? And then the love of God. Thank God for the unconditional love. God is love. And the communion or relationship, fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Look what it says in the message paraphrase, how it words this. Let's take a look at the same verse, message paraphrase. It says, the amazing grace of the master Jesus Christ because of his great grace, not that anything we could earn or do, enabled us to find salvation through the work of the cross. And then the extravagant love of God that's unconditional. For God so loved the world, he paid the highest price in his son. Extravagant love of God and the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit. Intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. God the Father loves me. God the Son saves me. And God the Holy Spirit is with me. A lot of us, a lot of Christians are like a sailboat with no wind. And we need the breath of God to blow in our hearts and our lives. You need a blast of fresh air in your life, in your marriage, in your family. 
especially in the day we live in. So let go of your fears and misperceptions. Go all in and develop the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit. God is a good and faithful God, amen? Especially in the world that we live in today, we need him now, the saturation part now, more than ever. And that is God's answer to this world. It's for his church to rise up and not just live in our salvation, but live in a saturation that will help change the world. Amen. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.